Today on Refried Reviews, we follow a woman and change her to please us. <laughs> <laughs> Reviews. I'm John. I'm JP. And uh, yeah, uh, we watched, uh, because it showed up in the last episode's movie, 12 Monkeys, <laughs> we watched uh, Vertigo, um, Alfred Hitchcock classic, uh, one of the best movies probably ever. Um, <laughs> it makes everybody's list, you know, a lot of people say it's the best film ever made. I'm not quite ready to go that far, but it is superb. Um, yeah. I watched a little bit of documentary uh, last night after watching the movie, oh, and yeah? they had some like uh, Scorsese talking about when he first saw it, being obsessed with it and watching it again and again and again. It's oh, always yeah? interesting watching that kind of uh, interview footage. Yeah, it's it's one of those movies that probably felt more daring for the time than it does now because it's a lot like listening to the Beatles now. Mm-hmm. And, like part of what you have to do when you listen to like Love Me Do is tell yourself no one had ever done that like it's easy to listen to love me do now and be like oh yeah that's a pretty well-made pop song but then you think like this was the f- like one of the first five well-made pop songs and the other four were by the same guys <laughs> like, <laughs> this is actually kind of a topic i wanted to cover today that i'm sure we'll dive into that uh, i saw you posted that you you enjoyed it quite a bit more it sounds like than when you saw it earlier yeah and uh, I was very impressed with the movie, and I thought it did a lot of cool and interesting things. But I, I think I respected it more than I necessarily liked it. I, I don't see myself huh. watching it again in the next couple of years. Really? Um, you know, without a specific reason. Yeah. So, yeah, I was, I was curious your take on, like, how much of it was important movie, like, stuff to see versus, like, you'll feel like popping it in. It's not a movie I'm going to go back to again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't like it as much as other... Uh, as much as other uh, Hitchcock I've seen, um, mm-hmm. I like Psycho more, but I like horror movies. Like that's my favorite kind of movie is a scary movie. <laughs> so of course I like Psycho more. Yeah. Um, uh, I also like Rope more. I think. Um, yeah, Rope is probably my favorite. Yeah, Rope is fantastic. I I think I like Rear Window more, except I violently hate the ending of Rear Window. <laughs> I think the ending of Rear Window destroys the movie. So spoiler alert for Rear Window. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the whole thing is about him looking out his window and thinking that maybe this guy in the building across the way is a murderer and trying to figure it out. And like the whole movie is really questioning the morality of snooping on your neighbors. And like, mm-hmm. maybe this isn't an okay thing to do, Jimmy Stewart. Like, <laughs> you're kind of a creeper and you're being invasive and you're breaking into someone's house. And like, what are you doing? And then at the end, it just turns out the guy's a murderer and he was right the whole time. <laughs> like, oh, good news. All your actions were justified and you don't have to feel bad about anything. So you're saying Simpsons did it better. Uh, yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, yeah. Um, like, I don't, I think the movie would be stronger if it just never raised the question. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe not. Uh, I think it would be stronger if, if it just turned out he was wrong. (laughs) Um, and like, he was the asshole. Yeah. Like, that's more interesting to me than asking all these questions and then be like, ah, JK. No, he's the good guy. It's Jimmy Stewart. Come on. I'll certainly certainly say watching Vertigo would make me feel like watching a rear, rear window. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What was the, when did you first see Vertigo? 
Uh, it had been years and years. It was probably late high school, early college. Uh, I actually ended up watching this twice over the past few weeks because uh, when I first watched it, I remembered so little. Like I felt like a, a lot of pieces I thought I remembered from this must have been from other Hitchcock or oh, really? something like that. Huh. Yeah, so uh, like I, I couldn't have given you a summary of what it was really about wow. before it. So What's uh, before the last few weeks? Yeah. Wow. What's uh what's your relationship with Alfred Hitchcock in, Hitchcock in general? Uh I mean we've touched on most of what I've seen probably uh, yeah. already. Like Rope was a favorite. I saw that one uh in a film class in college. Psycho I saw, you know, just during the sort of getting up to date with film rounds yeah. of watching everything. Uh The Birds I've seen. Um I've never seen The Birds. I should watch The Birds. Uh The Birds is probably more important than than you'll take it seriously yeah. as what it is. I, I've usually watched it kind of with friends over cocktails and it, it yeah. wasn't like a super reverential watch. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's terrifying about the birds, and I am not joking about this, it's mm -hmm. based on a true story. Oh yeah? Yeah. There was uh in South Carolina there was some coastal town that like a storm off the coast just like fucked up a whole bunch of birds that were that were like coastal birds and got them all confused and turned around and they turned into the town and started dive bombing any light source. No one died, oh, wow. but like a cop was carrying a flashlight around. Like people had to duck and cover. Mm -hmm. Um and it didn't kill anybody. The worst thing that happened was one guy was carrying a flashlight and a bird dove at him and broke his arm. Mm -hmm. Um so well, I was thinking it would be a lot worse today, I would imagine. Oh yeah. Um yeah, they just started going after people and everybody had to take cover for about twelve hours before these birds stopped freaking out. Wow. Um yeah, and I guess Hitchcock uh I don't know if it, his story was completely unrelated to that, but that definitely happened. Hmm. Um yeah, so that's the birds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I see Tune him. in next time for Refry Reviews when we... Uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's probably about the extent of my of my Hitchcock knowledge. Maybe I've... I, yeah. I think I've seen North by Northwest, but yeah. that might be it. North by Northwest is awesome. Yeah, that's a fun watch. I really like that he, uh, he, he came up with all the action sequences before he wrote that movie. Oh, really? That's all the script is. It is a <laughs> flimsy reason to string that cool shit together. Threading the needle. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it works better than just about anything else. <laughs> um, it's so good. God. Um, yeah. I uh, first saw, I saw Psycho in my freshman year film class, the only film class I ever took in college. Um, and we, I, I remember learning about editing and pacing uh, by uh, our professor had us take a pencil and watch the shower scene from Psycho and tap the pencil on the table every time there was a cut as a mm -hmm. way of like showing us that the cuts speed up and then uh, uh -huh. slow back down hmm. is like, hey, look, here's how intensity is created within a scene. Um, and that that was like, I mean, this is a pretty elementary little lesson, but like it stuck with me and I think about it a lot. Um, I also remember she showed us this uh, website someone had made where through a web app you could re-edit the shower scene. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it was just what showed up on camera. There was no, uh, there was no spare footage or anything. Right, but, right. But like you could rearrange the, uh, the, the scene and then play it through uh, you know, with the score. Um, hmm. which, you know, uh, I didn't fuck with as much as I should have, but <laughs> yeah, I, I only took a couple of film, uh, classes in college and they were both more sort of on the, the history side. I think one of them was American film history and maybe world film history or something like that. Yeah. So uh, a lot of, a lot of what I studied was sort of more, uh, the circumstances under which a lot of these movies were made more than yeah. the the technical specifics. Yeah, yeah, we covered uh, studio system a whole lot, and then after it was a weird class because after we were done with the studio system, we focused almost solely on like exploitation filmmaking. Like we watched <laughs> Reefer Madness. 
um, wow. and blood feast. <laughs> um, yeah, in class. And then, uh, then <laughs> they're we, like, let's be honest, none of you are going to have access to money. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then we ended with, uh, with, um, like a little subchapter about Brazilian 60s exploitation movies and the Coffin Joe films. Um, hmm. You ever heard of Coffin Joe? I don't think so. Oh, he's this filmmaker who also plays uh, this like bearded, crazy, like weirdo in his movies. Um, and like, it's all, all the titles are stuff like At Midnight I'll Eat Your Corpse um, <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, and like the the only one whose plot I really remember was a movie about uh, Coffin Joe played this uh, this atheist, and it was a big deal that he was an atheist. And uh, <laughs> he was in I think it was supposed to take place in like the eighteen hundreds, and he was in some bar, and there was a storm outside, and he was like, "Oh, God's not going to help you. People are praying to keep the storm away." He's like, "There's no hell. I'll curse God right now." And then uh, all that was in black and white, and then he goes to sleep that night and wakes up, and it's color, and he's in hell. Um, but hell is in color and cold. Like it was this cold hell. And I remember he had to walk down a staircase made of people. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a fucked up movie. Um, it sounds like it. Yeah. You should check them out. Um, Coffin Joe guys. Uh, it's good stuff. But anyway, that was how I watched Psycho. And then for, for the longest time, I didn't watch more Hitchcock until the last couple of years. I watched North by Northwest. I watched this, uh, Vertigo and I watched, um, uh, was it The Man Who Knew Too Much? I think so. Uh, but the original from the 30s, not the remake uh, mm-hmm. that Hitchcock also made. Hmm. Um, and uh, in Rope, and, you know, uh, I think that was about it. But um, the the thing about Vertigo in particular for me, like, I did not like this movie much the first time I saw it. Um, I found it to be kind of meandery because I, didn't, I don't think I got the point. I was like, wait, why? Because, you know, the as, as we know, the movie kind of comes to an end like an hour before it ends yeah and then then the real plots revealed and like it gets all meaty and stuff but like (laughs) it gone girls a little bit it totally gone girl yeah (laughs) actually it totally gone girls um (laughs) yeah because it you know he um he 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 sees madeline go up and you know apparently possessed by the spirit of her great-grandmother carlotta valdez flings herself off a church tower and you're like, oh, look, yeah, well, that, that sure sucked. I'm sorry you're in a mental hospital. I guess we're done now. And then this whole other layer of the movie happens. And I was like, why, why is this two movies? What's going on here? Um, and also, I struggled and continue to struggle a lot with like how much we're supposed to think our protagonist is our protagonist. Because yeah. Scotty does some, like, from jump, he's doing some pretty morally questionable shit. <laughs> um, it's like, very true. Yeah. Like, he, he fishes a girl out of a bay, which is heroic and good. He, then he takes her home and strips her naked. Um, <laughs> and, like, from a practical standpoint, I understand why. But, like, he doesn't act apologetic about that at all. Like, because if I, if I, you know, had some girl that I fished out of San Francisco Bay and for the sake, and like, let's say it's winter, I don't know. And for the sake of hypothermia, like, I need to get these wet clothes off of her. Like, that mm-hmm. all makes sense. And I'm going to wrap her in a blanket. And then as soon as she wakes up, I'm going to be like, look, I know this looks terrible. Here's the <laughs> sorry, very... Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Like, like you have to, you have to get out in front of that dude. Um, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, I struggled with it, and I, I watched it, and I was like, man, I don't quite get the hype. Like, this feels weird, and I don't know who I'm supposed to like. Um, he does seem to seduce someone who appears to be, I mean, maybe mentally ill. Like, it's not real clear what's going on, but he has no problem sort of forsaking 
his old friend who gave him money to follow her in the first place. Yeah, like, only because he was apparently concerned. Yeah, it's all pretty shady. Yeah, no, he's a shitty guy. Yeah, like he does. He's a shitty guy who has shitty things happen to him. Um, and I don't know how much he starts as a shitty guy. Um, so I guess let's let's dive into it, and we can we can we can you know maybe maybe plumb these mysteries. Uh, so I guess the first sequence. Fucking marvelous! Um, mm-hmm. He's chasing he and he and another cop. So so Scotty is a cop uh, who at the opening he's just he and another cop are chasing a guy across the rooftops, and they the the other cop and the the robber uh, just jump jump from rooftop to rooftop, and Scotty doesn't make the jump, um, and he's hanging by a gutter, and he looks down, and then we have the first of many vertical zollies. <laughs> um, we're gonna do that a lot, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, the first of many vertical zollies, uh, as he looks down and sees how high up he is and he gets freaked out. And, uh, then the, his partner, uh, comes back to help him and falls to his death. Yeah. Um, it was not the usual, your partner hanging off a rooftop scene. No, no, no. Um, and the robber just gets away. <laughs> like, that's, that's how that ended. Um, so. Before we get too far into this, it was 1958 this was made. Jesus or released. Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's super ahead of its time and amazing. Like later, guys, there's gonna be a psychedelic halfway animated dream sequence. <laughs> like that's a thing that happens in this movie. Like cartoon rose petals happen in this movie. Yeah, um, fucking weird. But uh, yeah, this dude falls to his death just in front of Scotty, um, played by the unfailingly decent Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> who I found out last night uh, my girlfriend has a huge crush on. Um, you don't say. Yeah, yeah, really, really likes Jimmy Stewart. Um, <laughs> I mean, modern like, day or no man oh, okay. um uh, like back then i thought maybe it was a big deal <laughs> <laughs> no um, she just loves that octogenarian mm. um or i guess nonagenarian he's helped a lot of kids <laughs> <laughs> so uh then we the, then we have that awesome cut from him hanging on the ledge to him sitting in a chair balancing the cane on his hand um, as he hangs out in the house of his best friend and like ex college kind of girlfriend Midge, and uh, one of the first things I wrote down was I ship Scotty and Midge. Um, <laughs> I I th- those two are just so meant for each other, and if he could just see what he has right in front of his face, none of this would have happened. Like he could have been fine. Yeah, it was a curious addition to the narrative, just sort of this relationship as a whole mm-hmm. and where it fits in. Yeah. Well, just I think I think it's just there to say like, hey, look, like here's uh, here's here's what he looks like when he's being kind of healthy by the standards of the day towards uh-huh. a woman because he's still kind of creepy to her. Yeah. Um, but their banter's still so nice. Like later when uh, when Midge is like, uh, you know, I thought you could uh, I thought I, you could take me to dinner and then I'd be so grateful that I'd take you to a movie. <laughs> um, and all like everything they say is just great. So. Um, yeah, he they they t- kind of talk about how basically he has vertigo and acrophobia, um, and he's you know he had to quit the force. And what are you going to do now? Then he gets a call from his old college buddy Gavin, who basically says like, "Hey, my girl, my wife keeps disappearing. I need you to follow her before I take her to a mental health professional. I want to figure out more about what the deal is mm-hmm. um, because I'm this. Thus begins this movie's troubling relationship with women. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and call it out. Like I'll uh-huh. plant my flag on this. Like this movie is gross towards the ladies. Yeah, because like." There's no thought for his wife's agency here. Now, granted, all this turns out to be a ploy, so whatever. But, like, 
we're just supposed. <laughs> She's to ex- a very important prop, don't yeah. you see? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you did you feel that from Jump too? Like, uh, yeah. I mean, pretty much any scene involving woman is a, a little bit squirming in the seat by today's standards. Yeah, man. Um, like, no, oh, I need to creep on her for a while before I take her to the dock. <laughs> So and and I mean as we we touched upon it briefly but just the idea that we're we're coming at it not really sure how we're supposed to feel about this guy you know x number of decades later yeah so it 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 adds some interesting almost lack of perspective yeah. to the story of what we don't quite see how we're supposed to feel about him by the the standards of the day yeah yeah for sure um like we don't know how much of this is like how they, what was considered normal and how much was, quote-unquote, the joke, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I do, in the scene between Gavin and Scotty, I love the cut between uh, Scotty admiring that picture of 1849 San Francisco, cutting back to Gavin with all this construction behind him. Mm-hmm. Like, that was, that was, this movie's full of little things like that. Like, oh, man, the world sure is changing super rapidly. And, you know, this this movie does, at least in the first half, concern itself quite a bit with the past, um, and, you know, the inability to escape one's past. Um, I mean, that's a huge, huge theme of the whole thing. Like, Scotty can't get over his vertigo because of what happened to him. And uh, Madeline, uh, Gavin's wife, can't get over, uh, you know, the influence of her great-grandmother, Carlotta Valdez. Um, we're all running from our pasts, and, you know, it keeps killing us. Um, oh, God, there's so much fucking rich thematic <laughs> juice in this movie. Like, ah, it's great. Um, it in, just doesn't hate. It just doesn't like women very much. Yeah. In some of the extras, uh, they had audio of Hitchcock talking about this movie, and it, it sounded like it was recorded later as sort of a retrospective thing. Yeah. And he immediately jumped to talk about sort of the technical achievement in this movie, where it, it sounded like this was something he was really proud of in his career, oh, and yeah? sort of a lot of stuff was developed, you know, like his avatar or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, even the like, I, I knew the the staircase scene was neat and it was impressive that they managed to construct that watching the special features i didn't know that it's not a real staircase that it's a a set that's side mounted so that they can uh pull the camera back in a traditional manner and uh get that the zolly effect as precise as it needs to be yeah so so cool so he's doing stuff that you can't even catch with the eye today yeah in sort of a a modern restored blu-ray blah 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 oh that was that's oh god you're so good (laughs) i i i love this i i have so many notes in here that are just like ah this is so good um so um the uh the the the, the, he scotty takes the job and he's like yeah i'll follow your wife like a weirdo whatever (laughs) um you know because we're college bros or whatever and then he goes and sits at the bar at this recurring restaurant that like david lynch presents ernie's um (laughs) well i i guess before we go too far yeah um another thing by standards like the standard of the day is this request totally insane that like his wife has taken over like I mean, I don't think by, I don't think by the standards of any day, it's that weird to say like to say to a a, a private investigator, "Hey, my wife disappears for long stretches of time, mm-hmm. and I 
want to know why can you please follow her like i, I think mean, it's he, indicative he throws of, in some language that he's afraid for her life for yeah, for yeah. reasons he can't explain yeah. let me <laughs> let me finish my thoughts yeah, so i don't okay. sound too creepy um oh, I, I do i do want to make clear that that is a sign of a relationship <laughs> with poor communication um and it's not like healthy but it's not like unheard of anyway mm-hmm. go on i just wanted to cover my ass there no i i just mean sort of the the dialogue comes off as like mm-hmm. i would think someone was insane if they were talking to me like this yeah. like or you know they they can't express what they're what they're trying to say oh, like he's insane or his wife is the like being a detective and have someone come to me with that yeah i want to know like what degree of crazy that sounds like his sort of oh, that his yeah. wife has taken over in what sounds like some sort of mystical manner yeah i i don't know man um, anyway yeah I, I i have no idea i think if someone came to me with that story i would my first reaction would be you sound like you might be the one with the issue Mm-hmm. Um, let's rule that out first. Um, but he's like, yeah, I'll follow your wife, whatever. Um, I wasn't doing anything this weekend. Um, yeah, so I also just wanted to get that sort of pretext out of the way. Is he's following her because the, the husband doesn't think she's cheating, but something weird is going on. Yeah, like she seems, you know, she's going into fugue states. Um, mm-hmm. She's experiencing missing time. Um, and uh, like he definitely believes she's on the level and she's not lying to him when she says, oh, I just did X, Y, Z. And then he sees her odometer has 94 miles on it. Mm-hmm. Um but it is troubling to him. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, in, in the context of this movie, I don't take that uh, as on anything other than face value. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's just, I think he's just a concerned dude. Sure. Um, then we need to believe that for the, for the plot to continue as, <laughs> as it needs to. Um, so he, uh, so Scotty goes to Ernie's uh, because Gavin says, oh yeah, tonight we're going to the opera and uh, we're going to go eat at Ernie's first and you can kind of, you know, peep her then. So you know who your mark is. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have that, Great series of shots in Ernie's where it's you know there's no dialogue it's just uh, it's just I think there might be a little bit of dialogue but uh, but you got Scotty at the uh, bar and it pans over this sea of like reds and like muted blues of suits and stuff and then there's just this splash of bright green from Madeline's dress and she just like leaps off the screen at you um, in this shot it like oh it it made me freak out so 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 much mm-hmm. I loved it so much. It um, sounds like Hitchcock had tons of like color palette requests and things really? like that, where even I think they said uh, the actress didn't want to wear gray and was like, no, it's it's vital that you do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Kim Novak, um, <laughs> shut up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Alfred Hitchcock, and I think of actors as cattle. Um, Alfred Hitchcock, I'm sure you know, famously kind of hated actors. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think at some point someone, some actor asked him, what's my motivation on set? And he said, your paycheck. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, he, he just, uh, he was like, just hit your mark and say the lines. I don't, <laughs> just shut the fuck up. I don't want to deal with you. Um, Have you seen the logistics of filming rope? Um, like I've how seen big his, the cameras I've were and stuff. giant crazy go-kart contraption that he <laughs> rode around on. Um, yeah. The cameras were like the size of a person. Yeah. Like on giant tracks and stuff. So I could certainly imagine like I- I'm trying to re-engineer movies here and you are fucking it up by not remembering the words. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Say the words. I could definitely see a sort of an unhealthy relationship. Yeah. I mean, I guess it couldn't have been that bad because he had, you know, guys like Jimmy Stewart coming back over and over yeah. again. Um, so I'm sure that like there was there were ways to earn his respect. But, you know, he he famously would just torture the shit out of actresses. <laughs> um, so yeah, he and Kim Novak probably had some shouting matches. Um, <laughs> a few things in common with Kubrick. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, 
So yeah, uh, there's that great as as they're leaving Ernie's, as Gavin and Madeline are leaving Ernie's. There's that great series of cuts of um, of Madeline turning towards Scotty at the bar and him turning away, and just like that little glance. And like we the 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 film keeps giving us this feeling as he follows her of like of like reaching out and almost touching someone from behind. Mm-hmm. Like that's that just that breathlessness, that hair on the back of your neck. It's so good at evoking that. I think. Um, yeah, and then the following begins. Gonna be a whole <laughs> mess of following in this picture. <laughs> I've also thought the sort of him seeing her the first time uh, symbolizes sort of a, a modern plot mechanic of almost the reason that we do pod like we we podcast about this kind of yeah. stuff of the the double meaning the second time through yeah. of having to film the plot in a way that it makes sense where after the reveal you can watch it again yeah yeah and so sort of uh, again 1958 like yeah. sort of seeing that of oh this scene means something totally different of like Oh, I'm like this sort of awkward introduction of who she is. It's like, oh, that that's, would be a handy way to have it not be the wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, this is you. You watch it again, and you realize they are baiting the hook mm-hmm. um, right now um, for this poor guy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry for all of this, Scotty. So <laughs> you only deserved some of this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the follow the first following scene, I I adore because it. Um, just the way it parses out information. So all we know going into this is she's fugan and, <laughs> um, and she's God knows where she's going. So he follows her. And the first thing we see is she goes down that back alley. And we have another great moment of color where we're going down this dark Brown alley. And then she goes in, goes through a door and then uh, Scotty follows behind her and opens the door from the Brown into this just like, guitar solo of color in your face <laughs> of this flower shop mm-hmm. that's the first thing you see is flower shop she's buying a bouquet and then from there i believe we go to uh the cemetery um where we're again following behind her and she's going to the grave of this woman named carlotta valdez and again we get that great that great scene where he, uh scotty's hiding in the shadows and madeline comes around that tomb and he's like, she's close enough for him to touch her for like the first time. Mm-hmm. And he's like almost breathless with like, you know, you know, he's perving real hard. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> know. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird and creepy. Um, like I, 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 but like you don't, for some reason, I don't feel the creepiness quite so much there. And that mm-hmm. might just be due to how just unfailingly decent Jimmy Stewart is as a human being. Um, like he doesn't read as anything other than good intention, which is another reason why this movie felt so weird and dissonant <laughs> the first time I saw it. it. Was like, why are you fucking stop it, dude? Yeah, um, this isn't what you do. <laughs> uh, uh. Um, yeah, uh, uh. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's 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 like watching Mister Rogers explain the female orgasm to me. <laughs> like, I don't want this from you. Um, not from you. Um, <laughs> Well, sort of the the splashes of color that you're describing, yeah. I think that that sort of was throughout this movie. There were oh, yeah. there were a lot of frames where I was like, oh, when I think of this, 
and I I feel like when most people think of it, it's sort of you know the uh, <laughs> the church tower, yeah, and uh, maybe him like jumping into the water under the bridge. Yeah. Lots of very sort of monochromatic, uh, high tension stuff. Yeah. So to see sort of these looser, beautifully composed, just interior shots is is very yeah. different from what I expect. Yeah. No, it's lush. It's <laughs> real, and it lingers on it. Like I mean, you want to talk about every frame of painting. Like, yeah. Here you go. Um, <laughs> oh, it's so good. So good. So she goes to the cemetery, and then he follows her further to an art museum where she sits in front of a picture of Carlotta Valdez, and we notice that her hair's done the same way. And then um, we then we get to connect the dots from a previous piece of information. So we've got three chunks of information here now. We've got the flower shop, we've got the grave, and then we've got the portrait. And the portrait lets us connect the flower shop and the grave because we see that the picture of Carlotta Valdez, she's holding a bouquet just like the one that Madeline bought at the flower shop. Mm-hmm. So clearly there's some kind of Carlotta Valdez um, obsession going on here. Next, she goes to the McKittrick Hotel. And uh, he, Scotty, um, follows her in and then uh, uses his badge to get some info from the McKittrick clerk, uh, the first of many transgressions. <laughs> um, and and did, does it ever explain where she disappeared to in this scene? I missed that. Because um, remember, mm-hmm. like, he's like, can we go? Is she here now? I saw her come in. You know, would you mind going and check in? And then go upstairs and she's not there. Like, where'd, where'd she go? Yeah, I don't know that it's explained, other than, like, maybe part of the plan is, you know, sleight of hand if she disappeared into a phone booth or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is it just a... Are they just gaslighting him? Yeah, it wasn't really clear. Yeah. (laughs) Was that the... uh... Listeners, write in on our Facebook page, Refried Reviews, and let us know how uh, Madeline slash Judy got out of the McKittrick Hotel in Vertigo, please. Facebook.com slash Refried Reviews. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Come hang out. Uh, um, Also, you know, uh, feel free to stop by and tell us if you like like the episode, or if you disagree with us. Anyway, we can plug all this shit later. Uh, (laughs) Was that also the the hotel clerk who said she was, like, foreign but sweet or something? Yes! Yes! Oh, uh, God, it's awesome. <laughs> oh, old ladies. Yeah. Um, that was that was fantastic. <laughs> She's sweet. Foreign, but sweet. <laughs> like, like, this close to being, she's sweet, you know, for a Jew. Right. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, she was, a, she was an old lady in the 50s. She probably, like, you know, her, her, her she probably heard about slave times from her mm. mom. Like, realistically, <laughs> probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if she's in, like, her 70s, then she was born in 18, 1890, which means that her mom was born in, like, 1840. Um, yeah, so do the math, guys. <laughs> um, the, the past is right, but it's all I mean, us. that woman must be dead if we need to. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. You know, clutch for dead. something. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, you got nothing to worry about. Um... <laughs> So then, uh, you know, she, he loses her and goes back to uh, to Midge's place. And Midge is, it's the first sign that he's getting a little bit obsessed and that this isn't just a job for him because Midge is like, hey, let's go see a movie. Let's have like a normal, healthy interaction like adults. Mm-hmm. And he's over there pouring a drink and just grilling her. Um, and asking her like, hey, do you know much about, uh, you know, Carlotta Valdez and the McKittrick Hotel? And Midge is like, I just happen to know a bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. And so they go to this uh, bookshop and start asking this old dude. It that- feels a little bit like he's working the dentist system on some of these women. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Uh, so for those of us who aren't always Sunny fans, could you just real quick just walk through the dentist system? Oh, God. I don't know if I can remember um, what the uh, the acronym was. Uh, I only remember separate entirely. Um, <laughs> but just is systematically destroying young women in yeah. the, the, uh, the most 
I don't know, stereotypically offensive way you could think of. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's a lot of psychological manipulation. I mean, he's definitely like got just leading Midge around on a leash. Um, what a dick. Uh, yeah. Um, she's so right for you. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, so they go to this bookshop. I don't know. Did you notice that the 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 two the the, the shot the medium shot of the three of them, uh, the shopkeeper Scotty and Midge, while the shopkeeper is explaining uh, who Carlotta Valdez is. It got darker with time. Um, maybe hmm. that was just me, but like I, I felt like I saw that the the shot was darkening um, hmm. as it went on. Um, you know, just to kind of you know maybe just show this guy like getting kind of drawn into the darkness by this story. Um, and then when they come outside, it's nighttime, and it was daytime when they went in. Hmm. Um, so like the sun's kind of, or it's like dusk when they go out. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were lots of subtle lighting effects, so I could believe it. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was it was real real cool. Um. And then, uh, then, then the uh, what, what does he do after that? I think he. Um... Well, I, I should oh, mention yeah. it was around this time that sort of the second time through when I had an idea of how this movie was structured. I, <laughs> I maybe started to feel like it's a more interesting plot to unveil than it is a practical plan. <laughs> Yeah. Of kind of how they're framing this guy. Yeah. Like, and they're there's got to be an him. easier way. They're just getting a witness. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, I mean, you couldn't just be like, why, like, okay, here's a simpler version. Um, you do everything with Gavin's wife that they did. You know, snap her neck and take her up there or whatever. I don't know how the hell Gavin got her up there. Um, <laughs> maybe they, maybe they like got there at dawn. And just like he just hung out out there like for six hours or something, yeah. and um, then have then have Judy show up as Madeline, uh, say introduce herself to a couple of nuns and <laughs> act troubled, and then go up there and do the same thing. Like, I just saw the walk, so I'm imagining a lot of like hanging off the side of ledges while nuns walk by and stuff. Uh, <laughs> is the walk good? I enjoyed it. Yeah, oh, cool. it's yeah. it's quite a like theater experience, definitely. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. There's there's only so much you can do to avoid the like. Why aren't they walking yet? I want to see the walk. (laughs) (laughs) Do what it said on the package. (laughs) Where's your walk? But yeah, totally worth seeing. Cool. Yeah, I I saw the documentary um, whose name I forget. Um, Man on Wire. Yeah, Man on Wire. And um, I think I'm one of the eight people in the world who didn't really enjoy it. Um, Really? Yeah, it's just kind of slight. Yeah, Um, I mean, I've always heard great things, but I haven't seen it. eh, It's okay. Huh. Um... Yeah, but I'll, I'll I'll go see the wall. I need to see the Martian first. Um, ah, yes. Yeah, and uh, also Final Girls just showed up at the Vista. This is not relevant. To the podcast. <laughs> uh, back to the we have thing. to date ourselves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's put a clock on this motherfucker. Um, yeah. So then uh, he gets back to following. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because he's he's a follower. <laughs> uh, Scotty, champion follower. Um, <laughs> And he uh, follows her to uh, the bottom of the Golden Gate Bridge at this point. Um, and then, you know, kind of keeps behind her. And then she hops into the bay. And um, he jumps in after her. And then we get back to Scotty's apartment where uh, Madeline is now in his bed, naked, <laughs> um, creepily. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he, like, comes in and checks on her. And is just like, oh, you'll want this with the robe. And like, <laughs> that is not your opening move, dude. Right. That no not today anyway. Like the very the the, the very first thing you say is, you probably have some questions. <laughs> um, let me begin. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll explain as best I can. <laughs> um or I'm sorry. 
<laughs> right. That's a great start. This is a safe place. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is later in the movie, he has to assure someone, uh, assure a woman, I'm not going to hurt you. <laughs> Which, if you have to say to a woman, I'm not going to hurt you, you already lost. Right. Like, just pack it in. Like, <laughs> the next thing you should do is walk away. Yeah. Just prove, just, thus proving you're not going to hurt them. <laughs> just digging a hole. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's interesting to me that uh, it's 44 minutes in before Scotty and Madeline actually meet and have any kind of dialogue in this scene. Um, yeah, so uh, um, he they talk for a second. He's kind of creepy and paternal. Um, there's that weird. There, there's a weird thing uh, when he's explaining like why he took her back to his apartment. He says like, "Oh, well, you wouldn't want to show up." And Ari pointed this out to me that this is just a weird sign of the times. Um, he's like, oh, you wouldn't, I figured you wouldn't want to show up at home like that. And she's like, yeah, you're right. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> like, you certainly wouldn't want, you know, to show up post-suicide attempt. <laughs> Wet. No, no, your husband certainly wouldn't approve of that, would he? No, 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 no. no. Um, yeah, so that was, that was weird. You'd um, better make him believe everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, you better be well put together 24-7. Um, so... Yeah, uh, then she just rolls out on him um, and shows up the next day with a note. And I love the exchange they have. Uh, He's following her and follows her back to his place where she drops off this note. And um, he he reads the note and he says... uh, you know, I, I he says, I hope we will too. And she says, what? And he says, meet again, gesturing to the note. And she goes, we have, and walks away. Uh-huh. Like, mic drop. <laughs> oh. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and he's just straight up creeping on her. Um, mm-hmm. I think he goes to her and is like, hey, what if we like hung out? And she's like, okay, weird guy. Um, <laughs> Can we be done? Um, yeah. I guess I owe you for something, yeah. maybe. <laughs> but I guess the movie wants us to believe that she's attracted to him, too. Um, I, I don't believe that. Uh-huh. I don't... I just don't buy it. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. And then they go out to the shore where she has that, I think I'm going crazy, Joan Crawford <laughs> moment, <laughs> and throws herself into his arms, and then they kiss, mm. and uh, that that weird, you know... Another appropriate time to make the move. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So what? So what's your read on 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 uh, on Scotty Ferguson pickup artist? I mean, this? I think he sees his opening is kind of the extent of it. <laughs> uh, like, well, you sure do seem emotionally vulnerable right now. <laughs> time for old Scotty to get him some strange. <laughs> Well, he's good at aligning his incentives. Her clothes <laughs> needed to be taken off. It was cold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gross, Scotty. Gross. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, this is just not good. It's not going to end well. Uh, oh, yeah, and they also go out and uh, to the sequoias and have the sequoia scene that we saw in 12 Monkeys yes. last episode, <laughs> which was uh, which was, was super cool. Um yeah, shouldn't have kissed her, and then uh, then he goes back to Midge's place. Oh, yeah, and Midge also saw uh, Madeline leaving Scotty's place and is just like, well, I hope you had fun, uh-huh. Johnny-O. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, Midge, a little, little, little salt in that, huh? All right. Uh, so then he uh, he goes over to Midge's place, and like they're talking about going to a movie and you know hanging out and being bros, and she's like, oh, yeah, I've, I've gotten back to painting. Um, I... Um, 
I, I, I painted something I think you'll like it. I was thinking of giving it to you. And he goes over and looks at it, and it's a very well-composed <laughs> picture of Carlotta Valdez with Midge's face. And my first thought, man, was, it's a fucking long way to go for a gag, Midge. <laughs> like, that and looks with, like it took you a week. <laughs> yeah, and with her dressed next to it and stuff. So she was matching <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. same way as in the museum. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's commitment to a gag. Yeah. Um, and of course... You to choose your outfit before you start painting. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> um, and, and, and in one of my favorite Jimmy Stewart moments, maybe ever, he just sort of like, just sort of melts and is just like, oh, that's... That's not funny, Midge. <laughs> and just, maybe, Harsh. Yeah, maybe we'll do that movie some other time. Like, like the as as much as a man could say in the fifties, he just went, "You hurt my feelings." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, then he rolls out. Um, and you know, clearly, like I guess we're supposed to read from this, like Midge is driving him away by tr- by imperfectly, you know, trying to express her affections and you know not really being able to address her jealousy of him. Um, because their attraction is, you know, unrequited. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all makes sense. Um, tracks good. You know, just, <laughs> we're just we're just uh, we're just doing the work. We are showing our work in this movie. I also wonder how much of uh, of the scenes like that are to make it sort of to pad out the twist a little bit to make it seem more like a complete story. So it's like yeah. a total left turn that there's yeah. a second half as opposed to if that happened at like the 35 minute mark. Yeah. Then yeah. clearly the story is not done. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Huh. Um, yeah, I mean, there's structurally Hitchcock's fucking with us. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, as, <laughs> as he did in Psycho, like he likes to he likes to take traditional film structure and, you know, subvert your expectations um, you know, it's a lot like, uh, I listened to a podcast with Matthew Weiner one time talking about Mad Men and he's like, yeah, like I love, he, one, one of the things he talks about, uh, you know, Mad Men doing is, uh, never really showing the big events, you know, mm-hmm. like you don't see, uh, Pete and Trudy get married. Mm-hmm. Um, they're engaged and then they're married. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason he does that is so that you can go, oh wait, what's he going to show us now? Like when when you know when the big twist thing happens at minute fifteen of a Mad Men episode or something, and you realize there's thirty minutes left, <laughs> you're like, oh shit! Like where are we going now? Like Breaking Bad did that really well too, mm-hmm. um, where they'd have you know huge things happen that in traditional television structure would just smash to black credits, and then you look and you're like, wait, <laughs> you're, we're going to do more stuff? Yeah, holy balls! Mm-hmm. Like, I should rewatch Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, we all should always. Yeah, it's it's the best. Um, yeah, so... I don't know if it was that scene in particular, but uh, one thing that I love with the lighting is they they did a ton of, like, playing with faces of the, like, half-blacked-out face when people are looking away from one another. Um, I I just, I have it written down. I don't remember exactly when it was from. Yeah, no, there's... The the lighting and color here is just goddamn impeccable. It's so... Everything about this is so good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, and I guess, you know, part of driving him away from Midge, since this is a movie in the 50s and is clearly concerned with romance, um... We have to believe he's going to end up somewhere, and so if he's not with Midge, you know, it's it's showing us, like, no, he's going to go farther towards this bad choice now. Mm -hmm. Um... Because part of like Midge not being able to effectively say, "Hey, Scotty, I'm concerned for you," um, like keep like 
it makes it, it makes sense that that would drive him into the arms of the the clearly unhealthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> like her painting the thing as trying to be a little bit more spontaneous and crazy, since yeah. that's clearly what he craves. But it's not necessarily her strong suit. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think it's her like trying to make a joke. It's like a kidding, not kidding thing is how I read it. Right. Is him going, is, is Midge going like, ha, sure is weird that you're obsessed with this lady that's clearly <laughs> insane. Ha, 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 I think you have a problem. <laughs> um, you know, um, but he doesn't take it that way. Um, and at this point, um, I, I, like, it all clicked for me, like, right here, like, watching him get driven back to Madeline. Because Scotty wants to save Madeline because he couldn't save that cop in the opening scene. Like he, he has this dream that plagues him of the of the uh, of the cop. You know, he talks about that how he has that how he has the dream all the time of reaching mm-hmm. out to save the cop and he can't. And Madeline keeps having these dreams about Carlotta Valdez and being driven to kill herself. Um, and uh, yeah, instead of wanting to die, he dreams of wanting to save. He's caught in the same kind of pattern that she is. Um, and it's, you know, furthering this movie's like concern with our, our inability to escape these patterns right down to the movie's ending being a thing that already happened in the movie. <laughs> like we, 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 we're just going to keep doing the same shit over and over and over seems to be what this movie's telling us. And that's awesome. <laughs> um, in, in his, uh, first conversation with Midge, I believe is when he is, uh, He's walking up the chair yeah, and stuff, yeah, yeah. which is is sort of a uh, a good signifier of what his character is about when yeah. it's sort of like constantly trying to push himself when he's not ready. <laughs> yeah, like I look up and I look down. <laughs> I look up and I look down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, or you can read it that he needs to cure her so that he can believe that his vertigo is curable. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's... There's a couple of different ways that, you know, you could interpret, I think, Scotty's, like, savior complex. But, I mean, I think we can agree that he has one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to fix you. He's very Jack from Lost that way. <laughs> or I guess Jack from Lost is very Scotty Ferguson. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, then they, the next up, he's, he's going to hang out with... Uh, or no, the next thing that happens is middle of the night, like at dawn, uh, Natalie comes over to Scotty's place and is like, oh, it's happened again and everything's so terrible. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he's like, oh yeah, well, I think, I think at this point he's making the connection to that old mission because um, she's dreaming of it or something. And he's like, I can fix you. I can fix you. I figured it out. I, we, can, we can crack the whole thing open. I know the story of Carlotta Valdez. And if we just take you there and you can reenact this thing, then you'll be free of it. If you can just reenact the past, you'll be free of it. Um, <laughs> no, nah, Scotty. That's not how that's going to go, man. Um, <laughs> you know that saying, how history repeats itself and then you're free forever? <laughs> <laughs> And then we go get ice cream or something. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, come back in a little while and then we'll go uh, We'll go out to the mission. So they go out to the mission and they're hanging in the stables. And he's like, see, it's like, just like in a dream. Your gray horse, everything's here. You don't have to be afraid anymore. And she's like, I have to do something. It wasn't supposed to happen this way. Um, and uh, then they kiss and she says, uh, you know, if you lose me, um, know that I loved you and I wanted to go on loving you. And um, then she says something like, it wasn't supposed to happen this way. And then she runs into the church and uh, it begins. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the centerpiece of this, uh, this movie. Um, y- y- yeah, you, you take this part because uh, it sounds like you know the technical side of it better than I do. 
Oh, so essentially the this is really the the centerpiece of the of the Zolly move. You imagine yeah. this was probably one of the things he had in mind when conceiving of yeah. the movie, uh, where in order to express the dizziness to the audience and sort of what it's like for Jimmy Stewart as he sort of is is attempting to fight his vertigo, is get to the top of the tower. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was did he hear screaming from up there, or was he just following? No, her? he was following her. He heard footsteps going up, mm-hmm. and then he saw her above him. So he knows she's up there, but not super alarmed yet. He's just following her up. Was that how? It no, worked? she like ran in, and mm-hmm. he was like, "Wait, wait, wait!" Because he knows, like, she's been very on front street about the death wish thing. <laughs> like, like we know what's going on here, and he's like trying to stop her from uh, from killing herself. Um, and I think isn't that how Carlotta Valdez killed herself too? Um, I think she threw herself off a thing. Um, That sounds right. Yeah. (laughs) I don't remember exactly. Feel free to correct us over on Facebook, guys. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so he's definitely following her with a sense of urgency at this point, but he Mm -hmm. can't get up there uh, fast enough because he keeps getting paralyzed by his vertigo. Yeah, so for people who aren't aware of what the Zolly is, it's a really cool technical move where I believe you track backwards and zoom in at the same time. You can do it either way. Ah, I see. So basically maintaining the same field of view, but just sort of manipulating the fisheye effect of how it looks and how deep it looks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, It's it's super disorienting. Uh, Other, probably my... When I think of the Zolly move, the number one that I think of is uh, the Jaws Zolly. Mm-hmm. Um, when Roy Schneider's sitting on the beach and uh, we 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 Zolly in on him uh, as he realizes that the um, that the kid is getting attacked out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's definitely a great use of the effect to. Uh, to do something very different than what Vertigo used it for. That's actually a great point. Uh-huh. Um, because basically, so uh, real quick primer on focal length. Um, <laughs> there, You got wide lenses and long lenses. Long lenses uh, set your, your object to focus, usually a character, far off in the background. So the background's super blurry and it feels far away. Um, and your character's in focus. And wide lenses um, make everything... Have have uh, make make the background come into focus more and kind of compress everything. Mm-hmm. So in Jaws, uh, Roy Schneider, we start wide and we go long. So what we're doing with that Zolly move is uh, taking everything out of focus and like really focusing in on uh, Roy Schneider's face and thus his mental state. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like watching, like holy shit, look at the panic on this guy. Yeah, um, it's super cool. With Vertigo, um, I don't know if he's going long to wide or wide to long. And I also, like, could be... I am not a cinematographer, so <laughs> I could be butchering this. Um, but, yeah, uh, I don't know if he's which way he's going with it, but he's... Where, where instead of focusing in on look at this guy and how he feels, we're focusing on look how weird the world is mm-hmm. um, through this guy's eyes. Um, and it's sort of, you know, taking that and turning it the other way, I think. Yeah, and it it does feel like the Jaws one is probably the opposite. <laughs> Two non-technical people chatting about this. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it does feel like very much Vertigo is sort of you losing focus on everything. Yeah. While Jaws is sort of narrowing the focal length so that it's it's square exactly and him being the only thing in focus. Yeah, the difference is uh, pay attention to this mm. versus you can't pay attention to right, anything. Right, Because <laughs> everything's fucking bonkers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at any rate, uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's getting some vertigo trying to go up these stairs, and he's just not fast enough. 
Um, and in sort of in terms of why this movie really captured people's attention the way that it did when it came out was probably a combination of camera moves like that, the score, narrative yeah. tricks. I mean, it's really all in there, but this is a pretty huge one. Yeah, like no, what most people probably think of when they think of Vertigo. Yeah, I mean, it's firing. The, the movie is firing on all cylinders. Like everything about it is fantastic. This isn't a movie where there's one like hero sequence that's amazing and then the rest of it's kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, even, you know, I, I really like Psycho and all of it, but you could even possibly put Psycho in that category where everything up until Janet Lee dying is just bravura and the rest of it's merely very good. Mm-hmm. Um, this is fantastic throughout, I think. And not to cast aspersions on Psycho because it's fantastic, but anyway. <laughs> Um. So yeah. Uh. He's he's almost to the top of the tower, and then he hears a scream, and then he sees Madeline plummet to her death. Um. Like in what's a pretty grim like for 1958. Oh yeah. Yeah. You see body falling, and you see the result, which yeah. again is sort of very psycho, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Just, um. And then, then what follows after that is. The meanest hearing I've ever seen <laughs> that appears to be taking place at the mission. Am I reading that right? That like we're still at that mission. Like they ha- they all had to convene and do this that day. Am I wrong? I, I didn't notice. The whole thing feels very thrown I together. Hope so like let's just get some chairs and get this over like with. The equivalent of a citizen's arrest. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't know, but like this judge. So there's a jury of six, and the idea is it's an inquest to determine whether or not this was a suicide, which it clearly was, and it's more of a formality than anything else. Um, And this judge just lays into Scotty, like who's sitting there basically on trial Uh next to his former commanding officer in in, in the police force, and he says... The judge, after going on, he says, this man did nothing. <laughs> and the law has nothing to say about things left undone. He's not, on, basically, like, he's not on trial, but we all know he's a shithead. <laughs> like, uh, if he, only he there says, were good Samaritan laws. He, he <laughs> says, like, this has nothing to do with anything, but for the record, <laughs> fuck you, Scotty. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and enumerate what we're all thinking. Like, did you feel that, too? <laughs> Just... <laughs> well, I mean, I took it a little bit like sort of the anytime there's a shamed public servant, we want to make sure that all the guilt is laid on one person who's going out. And mm-hmm. it felt a little bit like that to me of sort of like, you're a cop, you should know better. Yeah. But yeah, I, I certainly don't imagine that that would really happen in a trial. Like, you heard his commanding officer speak impeccably of his character and insist that the incident in which he got a man <laughs> killed was isolated. I mean, like, I could see Lindsay Lohan being reprimanded in court for something like it that. It just but... goes on and on. <laughs> it's really mean. Um, it's weird. And then later, Gavin, you know, walks over to him and is like, wow, that guy was a huge dick to you. Like, I'm really sorry. Um, that was not cool. None of it. I'm gonna I want to make sure now. you are too embarrassed to go back to work, yeah. even if you get over all of this. I'm going to leave the country now. Peace out. Um, yeah, and that's the end of Vertigo. Um, <laughs> yeah, guy, guy he, uh, Madeline commits suicide, and, um, and then, uh, yeah, that that's it. <laughs> Misogyny punished. Yeah. <laughs> How? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> She's dead. He, he's off the force. <laughs> he 
was already off the force on account of his vertigo. <laughs> it's in the name. Yeah, he's totally not going back now. Yeah, no, that judge made sure of it. That's probably like in a file somewhere. Um, no, the movie, weirdly, continues. <laughs> yes. Um, so the next thing, uh, you know, Scotty goes back to bed with, uh, goes, goes home and tries to get some sleep with the, the, the horrible words of this judge ringing in his head. <laughs> and then we have this fucking dream sequence, dude. <laughs> this dream sequence. Disembodied fucking Jimmy Stewart head for the win! <laughs> I wasn't really paying attention. Like, what, what percentage of the movie is this? Is it like two-thirds of the way through? Uh, there's The, the movie's uh, two hours and ten minutes long, and this happens... Uh, this break occurs with about an hour to go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, it's a little bit over halfway done. Hmm. Um... But yeah, no, we're not off the hook. We're talking about this fucking dream sequence. <laughs> like, it starts with this bouquet that turns into these animated rose petals that fly at the screen. And then there's uh, the weird and disembodied Jimmy Stewart head, like, flying down a time tunnel or something. There's a lot of nutty um, color timing going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's a shot at some point of Gavin talking to, talking to Scotty at the window, and then, like, Carlotta Valdez is suddenly standing there. <laughs> it's just, oh, God, it's so fucking fucked up. <laughs> like, and it's 1958, and uh-huh. just, like, oh, just mainlining insanity. Was <laughs> his, like, 2001 sequence for people of the day? <laughs> yeah, it probably was. And poor Jimmy Stewart's just along for the ride. <laughs> like... And uh, the forever end res- twirling. <laughs> yeah, the end result is the oh yeah, and the, oh there's that where he falls and like he's like a marionette. And yeah. Like, oh god, it's so weird. Um, I'm not doing it justice. Just just go. <laughs> like I'm sure you everybody listening to this has seen Vertigo. Everybody go watch the dream sequence again. It's top five film dream sequences <laughs> ever. It's so good. Up there with Dumbo. <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah. Up there with Dumbo and probably. Um, I might like just because I really love it the 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 uh, Nancy falling asleep in class dream sequence from Nightmare on Elm Street um, mm-hmm. where she sees her friend in the body bag get dragged away. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> Lebowski, but also anyway, Lebowski, yeah. Moving along, uh, <laughs> Lebowski is very very good. Um, yeah. So, um, what condition was my condition in? Um, <laughs> yeah, he ends up uh, like us in a mental hospital, um, and. He's he, the fugger has become the fugie, <laughs> sir. Um, he uh, he he's he's gone all fugue, and mm-hmm. he's uh, he's got Midge visiting him. Poor faithful Midge. Oh <laughs> um, oh, uh, playing him some Mozart and talking to him about how Mozart's just the thing he needs. Um, yeah, she needs to find like a singles mixer or something. Yeah, God, get get like practice some boundary setting. Like <laughs> Chase and Scotty's not working. Yeah, like you need to you do you, Midge, for like a minute. <laughs> like just go do you for a little bit of time. Um, like this guy is clearly toxic. Um, he became obsessed with a woman he was stalking. And then managed to seduce her because she was broken in a way that happened to fit together with the shattered pieces of his psyche. <laughs> it's accumulating baggage as you watch him. <laughs> <laughs> He's becoming a worse person over the course of the film. Um, so yeah, he's fugued as fuck. And um, he uh, and Midge visits the doctor because she's just taking care of him. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he's like, yeah, he'll probably be fine in like six months to a year. Um, so one year later, uh, Jimmy Stewart's back out on the street because, um, you know, it's a revolving door in the (laughs) modern American mental health system. Uh Um, I don't know if he's still seeing like an outpatient therapist. Is any continuing? Like (laughs) he he was declared done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
And then we get this great series of scenes of him like seeing Kim Novak from afar. Mm-hmm. And then we cut in and like he keeps the it's just it's just so subtly and perfectly done that like we keep having the exact same experience and of that that Scotty is having of like, wait, was that her? No. Was that no? <laughs> and what what Alfred Hitchcock is actually doing is having Kim Novak stand far away and filming her and then cutting to uh, Jimmy Stewart reacting and then cutting back and replacing her with another blonde. Um, Smart. Yeah. It's, it's real simple, but it works. It works over and over and over. Um, also, this is the point where he sees Madeline's car and uh, has that really great discussion with that, uh, that old woman who bought the car. Um, where she's like, who are you? What are you, who are you going to ask me questions? Oh, this car? Oh, I bought it from that guy after his wife died. Sure was sad. I heard it was suicide. How did she do it? Like, you're kind of an old shrew. <laughs> All right. She's got a stitch and bitch about something. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, so uh, Scotty then visits all the places that he used to stalk his lady love. Um, the <laughs> cemetery, romantic. the art gallery, um, all these places. <laughs> um, <laughs> I tailed her so many places. Yeah, dude. So at this point, a question occurred to me that I want to put to you. Do you think this could work as two movies? Like, or, or even like, like a true detective style season of TV? Or like a miniseries that's four episodes long? The the whole thing is a miniseries. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's definitely room to breathe where it feels like it might be to the movie's detriment uh, that it's as thin as it is. Yeah. Of kind of like it's it's trying to do a whole lot in a, yeah. in a little bit of time. Yeah, and it's not necessarily the like there. There's plenty of detail that could be painted in. Yeah. I feel all over the place if they needed to expand it. Yeah, I'm just wondering if we can like. You know, like Kill Bill one and two, this thing mm-hmm. where uh, we get to the end point and then we, you know, see. Okay, so here's my pitch to improve Vertigo. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna do it. Uh, no, don't worry, guys. I'm not gonna touch this movie. It's great. But just for the hypothetical, like, what if everything up until all this, where he's seeing her everywhere, is the first movie, and we don't have any indication that there's a second one, or maybe we do know that it's Kill Bill <laughs> one and two, like. But we do that. We and it'll flesh... be the trailer after the credits that nobody watches. And... Yeah, <laughs> um, we 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 flesh out the uh, the relationships a bit more. Um, and then the ending is he's seeing, uh, Madeline everywhere. And then we do that three or four times. And then on the fifth one, he sees Judy and then we cut back to him and he's, we see him like shake it off and he's like, whatever. And then we cut to in silhouette her and she turns and we're like, oh shit, it really is her. And then she walks away. <laughs> Credits. Hmm. And then the second movie is all this other shit happening. I just, I mainly pitch it because like. What an earned sequel that would be. <laughs> like, if there was a universe where Vertigo had never happened, and then Vertigo 2 was, like, the second half of this movie, we would talk about it as, like, one of the greatest sequels of all time. Well, it was funny you say earned, because that is, that is what jumped to mind, of, like, you would need a really charming cast mm-hmm. to make it believable that the first half is the whole thing, or, yeah. you know, sort of to telling it a com- tell it in a compelling way. Yeah, <laughs> where like it was worth watching this first half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, good. We we watched a man uh, fall in love and break down. All yeah, right. cool. I mean, Kill Bill had to slice off a whole lot of limbs yeah. to <laughs> to make it a satisfying first half. So awesome. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so um, then at this point, he uh, sees Judy um, from far away, a woman who looks a whole lot like Madeline. I wonder mm-hmm. if there's something up with that. <laughs> and tails her, because that's what he does with women. Um, that's how he expresses affection, is watch <laughs> them from far away. You're Until he gets close enough to neg them, just tail them. <laughs> <laughs> He does a neg a bitch from time to time, doesn't Especially he? Especially in the second half. Yeah, dude. Oh, God. This is this is where, like, kind of gross Scotty becomes <laughs> unbelievably gross Scotty. So he goes up to the to, to Judy's hotel room where she lives and um, knocks on her door and is just picking up a chick at her front door. Um, and then he says, the like I said, the thing you never say uh, to a woman, I'm not going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> at this point in my notes I write this is so fucking rapey Scotty you're just <laughs> creeping on a bitch dude like come on man not cool you remind me of someone I know so I followed you home and I'm not gonna hurt you <laughs> that is a weird sequence yeah. no <laughs> like you pepper spray this dude Judy like you're in danger stranger danger come on hun um yeah so <laughs> He, uh, he, he, um, he, he, he talks to her for a while and for some reason gains her sympathy, um, which I wonder why she could be sympathetic <laughs> to him. You know, the movie, like at this point watching it this time, I think I had forgotten the exact nature of the twist. I knew that the second half was him like manipulating a woman who looks strikingly like his, his dead lover. Um, I had forgotten, I think, that Judy was Madeline. Mm-hmm. I knew that they had some kind of relationship to each other, but I'd forgotten that they were the same person. And um, damn, dude, um, I was watching this and was just like, Judy, why are you doing this? This is so <laughs> gross. And then the reveal happens where she remembers that she was Madeline running up the stairs uh, of the tower, knowing that with his vertigo he couldn't follow. And then they hucked Gavin's dead wife out the window. <laughs> and uh, and that's how they, you know, made sure that he was a witness to what was clearly a suicide. Um, and I was like, oh, shit. That's a, <laughs> that's a hell of a twist. And then you have that great moment of like, oh, God, where are we going with this? Like, there's still like 45 minutes of movie. <laughs> I'll tell you where we're going with this. Yeah. We're getting men's rights activists about it is what we're doing. <laughs> uh, everybody swallow your red pills. We're going down. Um, she figures out how good she needs to be for him to love her. <laughs> <laughs> so I did the first half. You take the second half of this. Um, I, I we, We've been talking for an hour. We got a lot of movie left. Um, go for it. <laughs> I mean, that's mainly what I remember is just sort of a series of sequences where it starts off not that subtle and ends up belligerent screaming that uh, she basically needs to just look as much like Madeline as possible. Yeah. At some point he does say, let me take care of you, Judy. (laughs) And (laughs) yeah. And it it really does seem like, like sort of a negging strategy that works because mainly what she comes back at him with is what do I have to do? Is that enough? Cause I'll do it. I'll do it. Just love me. Just love me. Well, there's is that, basically the uh, the gist. There's that great squirmy horrible scene at the at the uh, at the tailors or the boutique where like <laughs> he's trying to find the right suit for her and she's like, "But I liked that suit." <laughs> and like the the people who work at the store are just going along with him, like, "Sir, surely knows what he wants." All right, <laughs> like it's totally appropriate that you dress your girlfriend up like a fucking doll. <laughs> like, and it's such a great dynamic of him barking in order. 
her disagreeing and then them following it. Yeah. (laughs) So awful. Yeah. It feels really, really weird. And then the most romantic entrapment I've ever seen. (sighs) Yeah. Um, yeah. So then he, uh, he throws that, that gray suit on her and then, um, asks her to change her hair. So I I know it sort of plays out over the, the course of many scenes, but is there much else like in terms of plot meat that goes on? I mean, there's some montage of them, like, you know, rekindling a romance. Um, you know, he buys her a flower. Um, they walk past a park. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, good stuff like that. Uh, they go, <laughs> right. to, they go to Ernie's, um, cause there's only one restaurant in San Francisco. <laughs> so he does everything he can except ask her to dye her hair so far. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then what does he do? JP? <laughs> Turns out it'd be real great if the hair looked like hers, too. Yeah, if you could just dye your hair, that'd be great. Uh. And was it the the alterations to the suit that needed... Or that's after he... uh, When, like, everything needs to be done tonight, including dyeing her hair? Is that when he already figured it out? Um, I think the suit needed to be done for tonight. And I think he was like... And he was like, come on, we got an appointment with a hairstylist. (laughs) Or no, because... No, she says that that... in, in his apartment, they have that conversation where she's like, will you love me? Will you finally love me if, mm. I, if I just do this last thing for you? And he's like, oh, Judy, just do this one thing for me. <laughs> oh, Judy. Um, <laughs> Why wouldn't you believe me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're so gross. <laughs> so, okay. Why do you think he's doing this? <laughs> um, uh, it seems like he's got some issues, turns out. He can't just shake off. <laughs> no. A really confusing uh i don't know detective based suicide witness yeah romance story without it sticking with you for a little while yeah yeah no he needed to be in like group or something (laughs) like weekly um yeah a year is probably not enough even if their doppelganger isn't out there yeah like so do you think that like scotty at the beginning of the movie would have done this shit uh i mean it or has he just been so destroyed? Seeing as how they really sort of spring it as a scheme toward mm-hmm. the end of this movie, I feel like the implication is sort of that they broke him. Yeah. <laughs> and that this is this is more him playing into the plan and, you know, yeah. uh, I'm sure taking on his own creepy whims all over the place. Yeah. But I, I did get the sense that it's sort of, this is supposed to be they've meddled with his life and yeah. this is what's become of him. So this isn't Jack Torrance showing up crazy to the Overlook. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that impression. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like he was at least closer to decent at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah. But I, I guess, you know, to, to the thing we've been talking about, we were talking about at the beginning like how much of this is the 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 attitude toward women at the time and how much of it is this movie saying this is terrible behavior (laughs) um do you think like hitchcock's trying to say like hey the way we rob women of their agency is not cool um is is he is he making kind of a feminist statement here i mean that it's certainly possible to take it that way like i felt a lot of that vibe of sort of the you know showing how bad it is as the point of view clearly disagreeing with it yeah but yeah, I, I sort of don't feel educated enough about when it came out. But yeah. I mean, I'd like to think so. It's yeah. sort of, I think it it worked as sort of a statement about that, whether yeah. it intended to or not. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that reading is 150% there. <laughs> whether Hitchcock, you know, thinks women are things or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if given what we know about Hitchcock, he might. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she, she agrees to dye her hair. Mm-hmm. God damn it judy oh yeah you oh god just stand up for yourself honey you and midge 
need to just form a support group <laughs> and get away from this man. <laughs> and they seem to play this fairly straight. Of I, I didn't detect a ton of hints where sort of like as the audience the first time through, you would have been able to catch it necessarily, like what they were trying to do. What do you mean? Like... I don't feel like his suspicion was growing over time that something was going on. And no. like the, uh, it it felt to me like he sort of went zero to necklace and figured it all out in an instant versus yeah. he felt totally uncomfortable and unsure with what was going on. Well, I think he just wanted to believe really bad because uh-huh. he, he had been broken so badly. And he was like, I am recreating my fantasy around me. Um, and this is, this is what I need. You know, I'm once again going back into the past um, and just reliving it and reliving it and reliving it. Um, so I didn't think that they laid it on too thick of like him suspecting that something was up. Nah, and I don't uh, think he suspected at all until he saw that necklace, and then mm-hmm. just and then he couldn't deny the reality anymore. Um, and then you know that that realization curdled into anger very very quickly. Yeah, that's um, a good way of putting it. It does seem like sort of his his imbalance swings the other way. Yeah, and he's like, wait, I. I'm incapable of taking responsibility for my actions, so I'm uh, so I'm gonna blame you, and rightfully so. Like they fucked with him, like yeah. they shouldn't have done that. Um, they just picked the wrong guy. Uh-huh. If we live in a world where this is your plan, then I'm gonna do whatever I want. Yeah, <laughs> it was shitty of them. You shouldn't gaslight a guy. Just don't do it. So. So it really was like the the primary goal of the initial plan before how the rest of the story plays out is just to get him to sort of have a credible witness to see it as a suicide. Yeah. Just sort sort of close the book. And if there are any questions, it's in his direction as opposed to the husband. Well, I don't think they're supposed to. They're trying to cast any suspicion of murder on him. I think just sort of like if there are questions. It's yeah. not, what about the husband? It's, what the fuck was going on? <laughs> yeah, and he can get on the stand and say, like, no, here's the mountain of evidence I have for her mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm not the that's husband. Right, that's right, um, I'm a neutral third party right. who this concerned do-gooder called to come in. <laughs> and I got, no, I got no dog in this fight. <laughs> and I'm telling you, she was crazy and obsessed with a Spanish woman from the 1800s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean he's got a he's got a whole file on crazy now um, mm-hmm. that they they fed to him, um, and when he realizes that's what they did because Judy should not have kept that necklace, <laughs> um, yeah, then he uh, then he he goes a little bonkers and is like, hey, why don't we uh, why don't we go out of town for dinner tonight? And she's like, great, we won't go to Ernie's, <laughs> fucking again, um, man. I bet Ernie's steaks are actually really good, like that. Like listening to to them to like watching them go to Ernie's made me kind of want to go to like because now fine dining like here in L.A. like fine dining is all like here's some pine foam and like some, you know small plates and <laughs> you got something against molecular gastronomy no no I, I I love it but it's all like nouveau <laughs> cuisine that's all innovative and weird and cool but like there aren't a whole lot of like come eat a giant ass steak with a baked potato and some wine places right like. You know, used to be, you know, you get your duck a l'orange, you get a big <laughs> ass steak, and that was like what you did at those places. Like, I guess Musso <laughs> and Frank still exists, so you can go there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I miss those places. Mm-hmm. Um, we should open one. Uh, <laughs> I'll cook steaks. Uh, Got a lot on our plate. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's true. <laughs> we'll start it as a food truck. That's my pitch. <laughs> Trucks are small. Uh-huh. <laughs> In terms of square footage, it's less to keep track of. That sounds uh, like the best reason. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, he sees the necklace, and then he just basically kidnaps a woman and drives her out to that mission. <laughs> and uh, 
Oh God! Oh, I forgot. Whenever she comes out of the the bathroom after, oh yeah, he gets she gets home from dyeing her hair, and she's clearly trying to avoid putting it up like Madeline had it, mm. and he's like, "No, no, that's wrong. I told them I wanted it pinned <laughs> back." Like you gave instructions, <laughs> you gross fuck. Ugh, you're nasty, man. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he 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 tells her to go in the bathroom and pin it up the way he said, and she does. And then she comes out and she's she's Madeline. And then they kiss. And there's that great spin move that goes from her apartment to the stables and back to her apartment. Mm-hmm. Ah! <laughs> yeah, he seemed to be having a blast. Yeah, <laughs> no, a lot it, of the stuff. Yeah, and like he never, as as much as from what you've talked about, how as much as he was uh, really enamored of the techniques he used in this film, he never it never feels indulgent. Mm-hmm. Like he's never like just just shooting his wad all over the screen. Like it always like. You, I, I bet he wanted to do it more than he did, and I'm glad he didn't. Um, I'm glad he exercised that restraint because he's a smart filmmaker who knew to do that. I mean, there are plenty of sort of uh, simple, elegant shots in the movie as well. Yeah. yeah. So it's not totally over the top with with style and uh, and technical trickery. Yeah. No, it was so so good. And then right after that moment of triumph, well, triumph. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he sees the medallion, and you're all like, "Oh, holy shit!" And then he takes her out to the mission. And um, he just keeps saying, there's just one final thing I have to do, and then I'll be free of the past, Judy. That's not at all foreboding. No. <laughs> just one final thing I have to do. Who's who's paddles? Um, <laughs> oh, you're so creepy, Jimmy Stewart. You're so creepy. <laughs> and um, he's taking her out to the mission. And then he kind of says, like, oh, you messed up. You kept a souvenir, Judy. You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> uh, and he takes her up to the tower and is like, is this where you did it? Is this where you killed her? I bet she was already dead. Um, snapped her neck, to be sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ugh, ugh. It also seemed to tag up weirdly with a, a conversation he had early in the movie with Midge, where they, they throw out this bizarre, like, Sometimes a traumatic event needs like another traumatic event to resolve things. Oh yeah, he was <laughs> like, "Yeah, that's how the doctor said I'd probably get over this is if I had like another trauma happen." It seems very Gilligan's Island logic. Like, yeah. You need to get hit on the head again. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, what if what if Judy was just a coconut <laughs> in the whole movie? Just let's remake this just with a coconut. <laughs> Sounds Monty Python on various levels. In a, in a blonde wig. Like, everything else is straight, just a coconut. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Um, did you notice that, like, when he's up in the tower, like, you know, kind of, you know, revealing that he knows what happened, the the climax is out of focus. Um, mm-hmm. And it's got to be on purpose. Like, Hitchcock wouldn't have done that on accident. But, yeah, it's out of focus the whole time. And I think we're supposed to, like, be as disoriented with rage as he is. Because, I mean, point of view-wise, this movie is pretty consistently from Scotty's point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, we experience the world through his eyes in here. And I think we're, I think Hitchcock's saying, like, hey, he can't even see straight. He's so pissed off. But he's doing it in this little subtle way that just affects you. Um, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, also was, helps with the fuzzy nun coming in. <laughs> uh, sounds like a terrible <laughs> drink. A f- <laughs> yeah, give me a fuzzy nun. <laughs> I wonder. Uh, write it. Write to us on Facebook yeah. and tell us what's in a fuzzy nun. <laughs> um, I'll I'll drink it. Um, I hope they re- they uh, unveil the new Facebook reactions so then we can properly vote. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it'll be fun. Um, yeah. So he she he re- he's like you know lighten her up with uh, with guilt and then <laughs> then the fuzzy nun shows up. This spectral nun, like death itself, just rises up silently. <laughs> I'd be freaked out too, Judy. I totally get it. And then she's like, 
I heard a noise. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Movie's over. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's uh that's that's fucking that. We're we're done here. Uh uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, my last note is so the nun did it all <laughs> along. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, that's 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 Vertigo, guys. Um, yeah, uh, he, I I bet like if there is a Vertigo two, it's just about Jimmy Stewart just doing this again. <laughs> like he always, you know, it's it's like uh, if you you played Bioshock Infinite, right? Uh, I didn't finish it, but I played it. Uh, oh, you didn't finish it? Uh-uh. You should finish Bioshock Infinite. I know it's real good. <laughs> um, yeah, never mind. Uh, I have a thing to say, and it won't make sense if you haven't seen the ending. Okay. Um, yeah, so. I like I said the first time I saw this I was so stuck on um this is this movie is such a classic example of why this podcast I think is a good idea because the first time I saw this I was so stuck on wait Jimmy Stewart's a dick in this what <laughs> to like I I couldn't think about all the other layers of meaning to it and like repeating the past and like Jimmy Stewart's savior complex and all these different things like fitting together psychologically and it's just so fucking rich Mm-hmm. With things going on, um, and it's restrained, and it's oh god, I I I would I would suck this movie's dick and fondle its balls <laughs> just so hard. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> it it is delightfully not aimless exactly, but sort of even after you know what the movie's about, and there is a very clear through line. Yeah, you can watch it, and it's sort of the the story doesn't scream out at you way in advance the way yeah. a lot of stuff from that era does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. It's certainly not at all clear what it's about um, <laughs> until like the very end. Yeah, and you're like, okay, I understand why you made me watch this, um, <laughs> Alfred, and it was it was good of you to have done so. <laughs> um, yeah, that was uh, that was awesome. Final thoughts on Vertigo? Um, definitely worth watching it. I mean, as I said, I sort of I respected it a whole lot. I think it's yeah. really impressive. Uh, I'll probably. I'll be more likely to watch another documentary about it than I am to watch it in the next couple of years. I think that's true. I probably won't watch it again for probably five or six years. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are just plenty. I really, really enjoyed it. I respect the shit out of it, and I, I, it's, but it's, it's a very. You got to do the work on it. And mm-hmm. if I'm sitting down on a Saturday night, I'm probably going to watch Evil Dead Two again, or something <laughs> like that. And I think there's honestly, I do believe that there's about as much you can get out of an Evil Dead Two as you can out of a Vertigo. They're in their own ways, you know, fantastic films. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is definitely worth revisiting from time to time. And I, I definitely want to read a bunch of analysis of it and and get into that. It's so, it's a masterclass. Like. Oh, it's so good. And um, it, it stands on its own, I think, as a movie that still works sort of more than I thought it would, mm-hmm. as the, there aren't a ton of caveats of, yeah. oh, yeah, you should watch it because it's important. And, I, uh, I have one. Mm-hmm. It hates women. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I just sort of mean that, that there's not a ton of context you have to give of like, oh, but this and this and this were really weak at the time. Yeah, and, yeah that's true. That's true. Um, the performances wall-to-wall are really good. Um, striking a really nice middle ground between like that super stilted old Hollywood acting and like you know the modern stuff that we're used to seeing now out mm-hmm. of you know in, in in you know like David Fincher films and stuff like that um, you know it's just that that stylization of performance really works in this movie um, yeah it's it's just great um, <laughs> I would actually now that I'm thinking about it I would really love to watch a remake of this with I don't know let's say like Scarlett Johansson and George Clooney because um, huh. also like if, if, if we're supposed to take this as creepy, throw an age difference in there. Right. <laughs> um, you know, like, if, if the Coen brothers were, like, we're remaking Vertigo and it's Scarlett Johansson and George Clooney, like, 
I think I'd watch that. Um, I don't think it needs to be remade. Like, I'm not clamoring right, for that. Right, right. I'm just trying to think who Midge would be. Oh, me too, man. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe uh, maybe Amy Adams. That is what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, someone, just someone nice who doesn't deserve this. <laughs> um, yeah. That's sad, but funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, give, it to, give it to Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would be good. All right. Um, so yeah, that's that's Vertigo. Um, as always, uh, we've we've got this new Facebook page we've put up recently. Um, you know, go there. Let us know what you think of Vertigo. Um, we'd love to hear your. You know, do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you think? Uh, do you, what's your thoughts on you know this this movie's weird relationship with uh, with um, you know women um <laughs> are you a woman who couldn't make it through want to hear that <laughs> yeah absolutely uh yeah so so what are we watching next time uh so it's been a long time waiting but i think uh, fury road is now on video so it's a safe choice <laughs> and uh i feel like i usually choose the most convoluted things where i end up with a giant slew of notes i yeah. think i've including the theater and showing people the blu-ray i'm probably up to like seven or eight so really? this is the first time I'll be ready to sit down, probably without notes. So oh, I'm pretty man. excited. He's going off book, guys. <laughs> it's gonna be crazy. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, we're, we'll 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 hit you guys next time with that. Um, until then, uh, you know, go watch Vertigo and uh, just do your best to square yourself with what this movie thinks of women. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks. <laughs>